Did you know that nearly 703 million people around the world are blind simply due to the lack of access to glasses? That's 703 million people who are blind, but that blindness could have been easily prevented if one person or a group of people stepped in and helped. Well, my guest today is doing just that. Welcome to Business with Purpose. I'm your host, Molly Stillman of stillbeingmolly.com, and this show is all about bringing you the stories behind the brands, companies, and small businesses that are changing the world. Each week, I interview an entrepreneur, a CEO, a nonprofit director, community leader, or just an all-around amazing person who is trying to make a positive impact, not only through their personal life, but also with their professional career. My goal is to show you that no matter what you do for a living, you can make an impact right where you are. My guest this week is optometrist Dr. Travis Ziegler, the founder of iLove, an eye wellness company with a mission to end preventable blindness. Along with his wife, Jenna, they continue to work part-time in optometry and build iLove with the goal of eventually opening free clinics in the U.S. and abroad. This was an incredible conversation, and I cannot wait for you to hear it. So without further ado, on to my conversation with Travis. Hey, Travis. Welcome to the show. Hey, Molly. Thanks for having me on. Yeah. Now, do I need to call you Dr. Ziegler or can I call you Travis? (laughs) I only go by Dr. Ziegler. I am completely (laughs) kidding. You can call me Travis. That's fine. (laughs) Yeah. Like, do you go into, uh, you know, like restaurants and stuff and, you know, or like uh, convenience stores? You're like, hi, I'm Dr. Ziegler. So you need to be calling me, addressing me as doctor. So funny thing about that is usually when you see people that say that, they usually are PhDs. I'm going to get a lot of haters from that, but PhDs <laughs> tend to be the ones that say, call me doctor, but we don't, I don't do that. No, you can call me Travis. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Well, Travis, I am so looking forward to talking with you because honestly, if we just, if we have the conversation here on the show while we're recording that we did before we even started recording, it's going to be a great time because before we even started recording, we, we addressed everything from uh, our children and their feeding issues to the weather and internet <laughs> and all those things. So um, it's going to be a great time. So I'm so excited to learn all about you and all about I love. So before we get into everything, I need to have you do what all of my guests do, and that's give us the Dr. Travis Ziegler 101. So tell us all about you and where you are from and how you really took the steps to get where you are today. Yeah, and that's a a long story, and I'll try to abridge it as much as I can in about 20 minutes. I'm just kidding. We'll we'll, we'll make it shorter than that. But (laughs) You're good. um, Pretty much what we're about 10 years into our journey right now. And my mission in life is to end preventable blindness along with my wife. She's also an optometrist. And it started back in 2010 when we graduated from optometry school. And we started practicing for my uncle. And I had worked for my uncle throughout optometry school too. He's an optometrist as well. So we had four Dr. Ziegler's total in this one practice. And it was fun. I mean, it was a good time. We were we were seeing patients, but there was something missing and I couldn't figure it out. And eventually that led us to start exploring other options. We thought we'd be there our whole a whole careers working for my uncle and we enjoyed it, like I said, but there was just something off. And so we started exploring and we ended up finding a practice that we wanted to purchase. And we did the three things you're not supposed to do in life, which was we quit our jobs. We moved across the country from Ohio to South Carolina And then we opened up not just one, not just two, but three businesses at the same time. Wow. And so we opened up a private practice and then we opened up a commercial practice inside a Walmart vision center. And then when you're starting up a practice, it tends to be a little slower with patients. And so I was bored 
And so when I get bored, I, my mind goes a little crazy and we formed another company called I Love. And I Love and these two practices were all growing year by year, but they all three got to the point where we couldn't focus on each one individually anymore because each one was taking up so much of our time. So we decided to sell our private practice first last June of 2017. And then we sold our commercial practice in December of 2017. And now we don't practice currently and we are full time in I Love. And I Love, to give you a background on that company, we started out as a sunglass company and we've morphed into more of an eye wellness company. And the whole goal, the whole reason to backtrack a little bit, go back to 2015. Yeah. We started I Love to be able to afford our mission trips that we go on every year in October. We go to Jamaica every year and we just wanted to, and one of the benefits for working for us is we pay for your trip to go. And so with that being said, we had to figure out a way to pay for it. So we started I Love and we started the sunglass company to help us pay for the mission trips. And we realized really quickly that our online business is growing a lot faster than our practices. And so with I Love, what we do every year is we donate a portion of all the profits back to those in need. And we actually have a charity called the I Love Cares Foundation that we donate that money to. And then we use that money for our mission trips that we go on to Jamaica. We actually might go on another mission trip to Turks and Caicos in July. We're still kind of debating about that. And then we might start going on one in the spring now that we're not practicing full time. So what started out as just kind of we needed a couple extra thousand dollars to go on a mission trip ended up being our full time business and we no longer practice. So that is kind of everything in a nutshell summed up in about five minutes. <laughs> so I want to kind of go back and really, um, you know, kind of take some steps to get to back to where we are today. So um, going back to when you were in optometry school, so were you, you went to optometry school and so you and your wife, you guys went to the same one. Did you guys meet in school and that's when you guys got married or, you know, when did you meet your wife and, and how did she come into play? <laughs> that, that's a great question. And before we got on the podcast, we were talking about North Carolina and Duke, how they have a big rivalry. So mm, yes. that same rivalry exists in football for Michigan and Ohio state. Yes. And one year back in 2007, Michigan was number two, Ohio State was number one, and we were going to play each other. She went to Michigan. She was a senior at Michigan, and I was a first year at Ohio State Optometry School. She actually came down to the game, and we actually met at a bar. And <laughs> she was talking. She's like, so what are you doing? I was like, I'm a first-year optometry student here. And she goes, I'm coming to optometry school here next year. And I said, that's great. I'll see you then. And that's how we met. And then we started dating a year later when she ended up going to Ohio State for optometry school. And here we are 10 years later and we're married with a child. <laughs> that's awesome. Uh, so complete small digression. So where in Ohio were you from and were you born and raised in Ohio? Yeah, so born and raised in Ohio. And I'm from a little town called Bryan, Ohio, Okay. which you've been touched by Bryan in some way. You've probably played with an Etch-A-Sketch in your life. Yeah. Or you've probably had a dumb, dumb sucker in your life. <laughs> yes. So those are both Bryan, Ohio. And then in 2003, I moved to Columbus and I lived in Columbus for about 13 years when I attended Ohio State for undergrad optometry school and then practiced there for five years. Okay. So I have a personal question to ask. Go for uh, it. What professional sports teams do you root for? You know, it's funny because... I was a big Florida fan for some reason. Orlando Magic with Shaquille O'Neal and Penny Hardaway. <laughs> and then the Miami Dolphins with Dan Marino when I was a kid. Yeah. But if I had to choose now, you got to stay with Ohio. And it's it's the sad little lonely Browns. Yes! And then, 
The Cleveland Cavaliers. Yes! Okay, we can officially be best friends. So <laughs> I am a – I know this is a complete digression from talking about eyes, but that's okay. You know, I, I, I sensed it in your voice. I was like, this guy seems cool. He's got to be a Browns fan. Um, so – and he really understands adversity. So my dad my dad is born – he was born and raised in Cleveland, and he went to um, Bowling Green. And so I was born and raised in Redskins territory outside of Washington, D.C., and but my father basically brainwashed me from the time I came out of the womb, and he would like – actually, when I think when I was in the womb, he would like talk to my mom's belly and be like – Go Browns, like <laughs> go Indians. Like, and so there's all these pictures of me as a baby and Browns and Indians and Cavaliers attire. Um, so I'm a, you know, we understand adverse adversity, we understand hardship and uh, disappointment, <laughs> things like it, that. So luckily, I'm more of a college fan, so I don't have to endure it as bad. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So anyway, sorry, complete digression. But I was just like, I, I need to ask. I need to ask while I'm here. Anyway, okay. So <laughs> you meet your wife. Um, you guys are in optometry school. You, you know, 2010, you guys graduate. You moved to, to South Carolina to practice with your uncle. Um, talk to me about that period when you said you knew that something was off. So obviously, you enjoyed being an optometrist you enjoyed this industry but what exactly was it or could you not exactly pinpoint what was off you know where did you learn that something was really missing in what you guys were doing so when you wake up every day and you don't realize or you're going into work you're doing what you thought you loved to do you went to school for this you're seeing patients you enjoy that part but every time you sit down at your desk or every time you get home or every time you wake up, you don't feel like doing what you're supposed to do. Like I felt like I wasn't giving my patients my all. Mm. And when I started feeling that, I knew there was something off. And I was starting, I'm not a complainer. I actually have a sticker on my desk that says no negativity. <laughs> and it. when I start to complain, that's when I know something's off and my wife knows something's off. So Whenever I start to complain, we need to figure out what's the problem, and then we, we try to figure it out. So I was complaining a lot, and I didn't want to go to work. I didn't want to, because I worked a lot, and I wasn't giving it all in my patient. And so a lot of people, a lot of your listeners are probably going into work and dreading it, and that's it. I mean, it's as simple as a little subtle sign like that, and you just got to figure out, because you shouldn't hate work. I love going right. to work now. I go downstairs, I go to my dining room table. I get on my computer, I do what I love, and then when I'm done, I can be done at noon if I want to be. I can be done at 5 p.m. and or I can be done at 10 p.m. It just depends on what we're doing, and I love what I do every single day. That's awesome. So I want to talk a little bit about some of the mission work that you guys have doing uh, have done. So you and your wife Jenna um, were involved with an organization called Volunteers for Optometr- Optometric Services. Am I saying that right? Volunteers for Optometric Services to Humanity. You can call it VOSH. VOSH. Yes, Volunteers for Optometric Services to Humanity. Um, And this is an amazing group that basically travels the world to give eye examinations to people who can't afford them. Um, And, you know, I've done mission work in Kenya, and um, I know firsthand that this is a need in so many developing nations. So I'd love for you to kind of just share your experience with this and and how this component and really understanding that there is a lack of education, um, access to, you know, proper care, things like that, 
that can, you know, really prevent blindness um, around the world. And so I'd love love for you to kind of share your experience with this organization and how this all sort of developed. Yeah, so with our mission being ending preventable blindness, a lot of people don't realize it, but the number one cause of blindness in the world, and it affects 700 million people, which is like two and a half or, yeah, two and a half times the United States population. And they're just blind due to lack of glasses. Mm. So the lack of access to glasses, the lack of being able to get glasses, and it can be simple reading glasses that you and I can buy at Walmart or a drugstore for a dollar. And so 700 million people are blind due to that. And so what we're trying to do with that is we're trying to figure out a sustainable model where we don't, what we do right now is our mission work is we go into these countries, we set up a MASH style clinic, which is a pop-up clinic. We see anywhere from one to two to 3,000 patients in a week. Wow. To give you an idea, we see about 2,000 a year here in the States. And so we see one to two to 3,000 patients in a week. We give them glasses, but then we're gone. And we may not come back for five to 10 to 15 to 20 years. Mm-hmm. And so it's not sustainable. So what we're trying to do with our company is we're going to try to create this sustainable clinic where we have a central hub in a country and we're trying Jamaica first. And at this central hub, we have the doctors hanging out there. Yeah. And then we train opticians, local opticians. So we'll train Jamaicans on how to pretty much make glasses, not make glasses, but dispense reading glasses because mm-hmm. we can solve a lot of these issues by just sending reading glasses out to the communities. They go to homes, they do these reading glasses, and then if they can't fix the problem right there on the spot, then they refer them in to us, the doctors, at the the main clinic. And so that's kind of the sustainable model that we're thinking. If it's going to work or not, we don't know. We're going to try it on Jamaica, which is a smaller scale. Jamaica has about 500,000 people per optometrist or ophthalmologist. And so the need there is amazingly huge. And so we're just going to try it there first. Now, going back to your original question is what got us in this in the first place? Yeah. When we were students, we were part of SVOSH, which is Student Volunteers for Optometric Services to Humanity. And we went to Ecuador. It was our first trip. We went to Guayaquil, Ecuador. And it was day three of the clinic. This is my first time ever out of the country. And so being in Ecuador, in rural Ecuador, being in a land that's just, I mean, people live literally in shacks made from whatever they can find. So yeah metal, wood, whatever you can find. And them coming to see us, it was it was quite humbling. It was probably the most humbling experience of my life. And I think that kind of shaped the character that I am today, just because I realized that I have a roof over my head while it's raining right now or snowing in your case. And I am talking to you on the internet and they have a metal roof that's going to leak. And so I think that's really humbles you when you go on these mission trips. But on day three of the Ecuador clinic, I remember what we did was we triaged the line. So when we'd pull up to a clinic, there'd usually be a long line and we'd look and make sure that there wasn't somebody that needed immediate access to our care. And I remember seeing this guy, his name was Angel Riviera, and he was about 80 years old. And we pulled him to the front of the line. We checked his pressure and his pressure was 80 in one eye. Mm-hmm. And so pressure should be below 20. So it was four times that of normal. And the, the problem with this is it causes glaucoma. Yeah. He unfortunately had already lost vision due to the glaucoma, due to that pressure being 80, but he was in a ton of pain. Just imagine somebody pretty much putting a finger in your eye and just pressing on it constantly. That's pretty much, oh. that would increase the pressure to 80, cause that problem. And so 
we he, pretty much in the, the office or in the clinic that day, we lowered his pressure down to about 30, which eliminated his pain. We told him he couldn't get his eyesight back. He didn't care because he was just pain-free. So this guy was like a hard-nosed farmer, and I didn't even think I was making an impact on him. And afterwards, when we released him from the clinic, we gave him a year's supply of drops. We said, you need to go get the other eye looked at to have surgery done to prevent this from happening to that eye. We gave him safety glasses, and he all of a sudden just burst out in tears, and he grabbed me, hugged me, and just said, God bless you, God bless you, God bless you. And that's when I lost it because mm. you, you've never experienced emotion like that until it's like right in front of you. Yeah. And my wife laughs at me because she says, I haven't cried since that day because <laughs> she says I, I'm, I'm emotionless at times. But when you experience that, you realize your life's mission and you realize, wow, we can make a huge impact by doing this more than we can in the United States. And that's when everything changed in my mind. And I always knew I wanted to do that. And we thought we'd get to it about the age of 55 to 60, where we could focus on doing this full time. But the, the beauty has been with I Love growing so fast, we've been able to stop practicing full time and focus on I Love, growing I Love to then turn around and tr put it into the mission work full time. And it's been pretty amazing to experience. So long story short is Angel Riviera is the reason we got into these missions and he's the reason that that kind of changed our mind of how we're going to lead our life. I know you're loving this conversation with Travis and I wanted to take a moment to thank our sponsor of the show who is able to help make this show possible and that's Causebox. As you know, Causebox is one of my favorite ethical subscription boxes and I've been a subscriber for over two years. How it works is each season a new box is released filled with everything from accessories, home goods and jewelry to the best in skincare and wellness products that are not only amazing but they are also doing the most good. And each box delivers incredible value with a guarantee of over $150 worth of products for only $54 if you use the gift code MOLLY, you get $15 off, making it $39.95. The products are not just beautiful, they're also useful. The spring box was just released and it is my favorite box yet. The exclusive kimono from Symbology is so stylish and comfortable and I get compliments every time I wear it. And best of all, the impact of each cause box makes the whole membership even more worth it. Their spring box alone employed more than 600 artisans under fair trade conditions in India and Kenya and put a hundred young girls in India through school. There are a limited number of spring boxes left, so you better hop on at ASAP. Go to stillbeingmolly.com slash causebox and use the coupon code MOLLY for $15 off. Now, back to my conversation with Travis. So I love hearing the motivation and sort of that that seed that was planted that really motivated you to start I Love. Um, but I'm curious, just from a business perspective, what did the beginnings of I Love look like? What was the, you know, <laughs> did you have an initial idea and it's really morphed into something else? Um, I'd love, and, and I know that we have a lot of business owners um, that obviously listen to this show um, in addition to just, you know, run-of-the-mill people. Not that run-of-the-mill people are bad. I don't know. I don't know what I'm saying. You guys, you guys that are <laughs> listening are like, <laughs> Molly, stop talking. Um, so you know, when did that really um, start to take form and take shape? And what did that beginning process look like um, in the early days? So with I Love, we started it in May of 2015 by taking just a course on how to sell e-commerce pretty much. And we were looking at selling all sorts of e-commerce products, baby products and other products. And we're just like, 
man, we don't know anything about any of these products. Why don't we just do eyes? And so we did. And we decided to do sunglasses because sunglasses, everybody needs sunglasses because it's sunny in most of the states. And so we, we just came out with a pair of sunglasses. We found just a generic pair of sunglasses that were unbreakable and they're pretty nice. And we ordered a hundred, a hundred just to test out the waters. Yeah. We released them on July 5th of 2015 and we sold all 107 days. And this was without any reviews, without anything. And we're just like, huh, this actually works. And so we started pulling money from our practices to then fund more inventory. So we came out with three pairs of sunglasses that first year. And then we started wholesaling another product. So we had four products total that first year. We ended up doing around 150, I think it was 150,000 that first year. So in six months. So we were pretty excited. We were just like, wow, this actually works. Wow, yeah. Because to give you an example, our practice had done, with both practices combined, we did close to about 450,000, which is, which is good too. And especially for first year practices. So we were really excited about this. We're like, this is actually working. So we actually pulled some investors in and we, we valued our company at about $400,000. And they, they, they came on board. One did, one didn't. And so that infused us with some more money. So we came out with more sunglasses. And in 2016, we focused on just expanding our line of sunglasses. And in August of 2016, we were a sunglass company and I went to a conference and education. So to go back a little bit, how we did this while working full time in our practices is we woke up an hour earlier. We'd work an hour before we'd go into the office. We'd work in between patients when we could. And then when we got home at night, we'd work two to three hours sometimes just to get this working because we wanted this to work. And we, my wife and I were both pretty driven for this. Yeah. So we hired our first hire in May 2016 to take customer service off our plate and to take social media off our plate. And then in August of 2016, we went to a conference and there was a doctor on stage and he was a homeopathic doctor and he was selling other people's products. And he has a podcast. He's followed by, by thousands and he's pretty big. His name's Stephen Cabral. And I remember one of the panelists was there, they were drilling him with questions and one of the panelists said, why do you sell other people's products? You're the expert. Sell your own products. And it was like a light bulb went off in my head. And I was like, wow. So I went back to my practice. I looked at the shelf of all the supplements and sprays and cleaners and everything for your eyes, drops and everything. And I thought, how can I make everything on that shelf ours? And that's the day that we morphed into more of an eye wellness and dry eye company. And now we have supplements for dry eye. We have a spray for dry eye. We have a tea tree oil bar soap that helps with eyelid health. And we are now focused on dry eye. And that's when we started focusing on community. Mm -hmm. And so we didn't really have an audience to that point. And we started building an audience August of 2016. Our audience is now about 40,000 people that follow us on Facebook, email. We now have started Facebook Messenger. And it's amazing when you focus on an audience and not focusing on the products, the products will come. And we'd always struggle to figure out what product are we going to come out with next? Oh, I don't want to launch again and this and that. Now that we have this audience, launching is fun because they respond to it. Yeah. We release products because they tell us to release products. They say they want this product and we figure out how to make it better than the current things that are on the market. And that's what we do. 
and we're, we're actually just releasing our Omega-3 again for the fourth time because we've had problems in the past with it. And we are, we've been changing the formula and this is our best formula that we've had and we're pretty excited because we're releasing it again. And so last night we started releasing it, got a pretty good reaction to it and we sold quite a few. And that's the power of building an audience. So going back to your question is we just focus on one hour a day. Now I do three hours, but what one thing can I do to make my life better or make my business better? And if you do that every single day, even if it's just five minutes, even if it's just 10 minutes, how can I make my life better? How can I make my business better? Yeah. You'll be surprised where you are in three years. And that's where we are now. Absolutely. And I think that that's such a powerful piece of advice to business owners in general is, um, you know, you hear some of these terms like IPAs, income producing activities. Like what are the things that you can do outside of just your, the you know, as a business owner, there's obviously sort of the mundane, everyday paperwork, emails, all that kind of stuff. But what are the ways that you can really strategize or um, orient your day in a way that, you know, you're doing income producing activities, but you're also really focusing on what is the next thing that I need to do in order to make my business better, make someone else's life better? Like what is that next step? Because I think sometimes we think of, we have these big goals, we have these big ideas that we want to go for, but they can seem so big and they can seem so unreachable that we get overwhelmed and we give up. (laughs) So instead of doing that, just sitting down and saying, okay, well, what is the, the next step I need to take in order to reach that goal? What is the next step I need? You know, who's the, the email? What's the email I need to send today? What's the call I need to make? You know, what's the plan I need to create? Um, and it, it, and it, when you really break it down into those little chunks, you know, you know, 15 minutes, an hour at a time, then it really all of a sudden, you know, you're a couple weeks down the road and you realize you've really started to chip away at this goal that you have, you know? Yeah. And then sometimes when, when people get stuck in their business, it, it, instead of asking, what can I do next? You should ask who can I hire next and Mm, who can I bring on next? And that's kind of where we are in our business right now is I, my one thing right now is hiring and training and onboarding people Yes, because I'm hiring an executive team around us. And I've actually found a pretty good niche of, we've been hiring a lot of stay at home moms and those are people that want the freedom that our our laptop, our virtual business provides while they can still work the hours that they want to work because they can do it when their kids are asleep at night or they can do it in the morning before they wake up or when they're at school and they have the flexibility to do all that. And so we're actually just bringing on somebody right now to help with me and because I'm the marketer in our company and we're bringing on our first marketing hire, which I'm pretty excited about. Absolutely. And I would also... I would second that <laughs> because for, so I, you know, I've, I've been self-employed. Um, I've been blogging for nearly 11 years and I've been fully self-employed for four and a half years now. And I didn't really hire anybody till 2017. That was the first time I really, you know, said, you know what, I need help and I need to to bring somebody on. And it was the best business decision I made. And that is a hard decision for business owners to make sometimes because, you know, it might be less money for you in the short term or you might have to really 
figure out how you're going to bootstrap the cash to bring somebody on. But you find that spending that money, you know, on getting somebody in to help you then frees up your own time to be able to focus on things that are better for you or those income producing activities or whatever um, to that really help to kind of catapult in a way your business to the next level. And way you can measure that is a lot of people say, how do you measure the ROI on a hire? Well, they should be able to produce pretty much three to four times their income in a year. They should be able to do that in the first three to four months. And you should be able to see that by looking at your top line. So if your top line is growing like it should be, if you do hire somebody, then that's the key that you made a good hire. Yep, absolutely. So I want to transition just a little bit before we start to wrap up. Um, I want to transition to to talking a little bit more about, um, you know, we've we sort of touched on the whole issue of preventable blindness. And, and you talked about um, how in a lot of, you know, developing nations, just the access to glasses is a huge, huge, huge problem. Um, but there's obviously there's we have similar issues here in the United States and um you know, I'll be honest, I don't wear glasses, and but both of my parents did. And, um, you know, my dad's had to have surgery on both of his eyes multiple times. And, you know, I guess, do you have just sort of some tips for people on, you know, here on how do you take care of yourself and, and ensure that you're, um, you know, it's, I think it goes beyond what's the, the, the thing that people always say, eat your carrots. Cause like carrots are good for your <laughs> eyes or something. Um, you know, it goes beyond obviously eating your carrots. So what kinds of tips do you have for people here? In addition to, um, the work that you do internationally, what are the tips that you have for people here for taking care of their eyes? Yeah, we, I can go down a big rabbit hole for this because I, <laughs> I actually wrote a book called Rethinking Dry a Treatment that talks about pretty much everything you can do to help with your eyes. But um, one of the best things is actually hydration. Hydration is great for your body in general. And I wake up and drink 48 ounces of water. I did not stutter or hesitate. That is 48 ounces of water right when I wake up. Yeah, It's called hyperhydration. And that puts your body in a state of metabolism. So you actually burn 30% more calories when you hydrate yourself properly. So hydration is huge. Um, eating your leafy greens. So they say eat your carrots because of beta carotene, vitamin A. And eating your leafy greens is actually more beneficial. So kale and spinach. If you haven't started eating green smoothies for breakfast, I highly recommend it. And if you are going to try kale, get a Vitamix because it works incredibly well. But if you don't have a Vitamix and you just have a blender, use spinach because it's a little more mild. But green smoothies are one of the best things you can do to help out your eyes because it's just going to keep the back of your eye called the retina very healthy. And then what your parents went through is probably just normal aging because we have a lens inside our eye that that flexes for us to read and it relaxes to see far away. And that lens just gets thicker and thicker and thicker every single day. When it loses the ability to bend as well as it used to, that's when we need reading glasses. And then eventually gets cloudy, which is what a cataract is. Mm -hmm. And so that's when they have cataract surgery. So that's very normal. Um, The only thing with cataracts is UV protection. That usually helps. It slows down the progression. And also vitamin C has been shown to slow down the progression of cataracts. So pretty much avoid vitamin and mineral deficiencies. So take a multivitamin. Eat organic food. Organic food is almost it's anywhere from two times to almost 100 times more nutrients in it than non-organic food. Interesting. I didn't know that. Yeah. So the big one is organic spinach 
has 160 milligrams of iron. Non-organic spinach has two. So that's wow. an ADX, ADX increase. So if you don't think that organic is not worth it, the little extra money you're going you're gonna to pay, it, it is, because you're not getting the pesticides either, and then eating non-GMO as well. So GMOs can cause a lot of mutations as well, and that can cause some problems. So I always recommend organic, non-GMO food, try to stay in the produce aisle, hydration, taking your daily vitamins, and even getting minerals in there too, because vitamin and mineral deficiencies are huge in any kind of eye conditions. And then um, an omega-3. Taking omega-3 really helps out quite a bit with the eyes too. So that would kind of be my book summed up in a couple minutes. Wow, that is incredible. I, you know, I'm not going to lie. Like, I really in the last, I don't know, seven years or so have really moved to, you know, willing to spend a little bit more at the grocery store to get organic and, and non-GMO food. But I always thought it was really just because of the pesticides and things like that. I had no idea that it was more nutrient dense. And well, now I'm, now I'm even more excited about so, <laughs> my grocery So the trips. use of pesticides in, in growing um, agriculture actually depletes the soil of the minerals. And so that's why you don't get the minerals then in the food. That is so interesting. I'm not even going to lie. I did not know that at all. Um, well, Travis, this has been so awesome. And I just think that the work that you guys were do are doing with I Love is incredible. And I think that it's such a great illustration for really using your gifts. Um, and everybody is going to have different gifts. I am not an optometrist clearly. Um, so uh, that is not my gifting. Um, but I know that this is a need both here in the United States and abroad um, is is people just, you know, preventing blindness and, and taking care of our eyes and and really serving each other in that way. And so the fact that you and your wife, Jenna, are doing this is is incredible. And I really commend you. So thank you so much for the work that you guys are doing. Yeah, I appreciate that. And I appreciate you having me on too. Absolutely. So before I let you go, I have to transition to my favorite part of the show. And this is where I get to just ask you a couple questions to get to know you a little bit better. Um, so are you willing to uh, let me ask you some fun questions? As long as I have like two seconds to think about it. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. All right. So uh, to transition us uh, first, which fictional character would be the coolest to meet in real life? A fictional character <laughs> to yep. meet the coolest? Uh, yeah, that is a great question. <laughs> um, you know, I always grew up being a huge Garfield fan. Garfield, I love it. I, I don't know why I said Garfield, but I always grew up watching him, and I always, I, I guess it was his sarcastic wit and his brilliance that I liked, and so it, it'd be fun to have a, a little dinner with Garfield. <laughs> I think that's awesome. Um, all right. The second question is, what is the most interesting thing you have read or seen this week? This week, I'm currently reading The Ultimate Sales Machine to my son, and that has been an eye-opening book on sales. So The Ultimate Sales Machine has been a pretty fun book to read, and it's been very interesting. All right. I'm writing this one down, The Ultimate Sales Machine. Awesome. Um, what's on your most played playlist on Spotify? On Spotify, I always choose John Mayer Radio. John Mayer Radio. Awesome. What kind of what kind of stuff like comes up on John Mayer Radio? Now, the the sad thing is most people think of John Mayer as the pop king of My Body is a Wonderland and all those. <laughs> yeah. 
John Mayer is actually the best blues guitarist of our generation. Wow. And when you listen to John Mayer radio, you get a very blues rock type of type of station, and it's amazing. Awesome. Well, I will definitely, when I'm working this afternoon, I'll have to turn that on and check it out. You, you have to actually search for John Mayer Trio. John Mayer Trio. All right. Mm-hmm. All right. Done. Happening. Checking that off. <laughs> um, all right. And last but not least, so we've got a couple quick questions. Either or, you just tell me which one of these you prefer. Um, hot pretzels or nachos? <laughs> hot pretzels. I like it. With mustard? Um, probably with mustard, yeah. Probably with mustard, yeah. <laughs> um, or like, are you like a cinnamon sugar type hot pretzel person? <laughs> oh, I'd, I'd go with the mustard. I like it. Okay. Uh, tacos or burritos? I love burrito bowls. Oh, yes. Okay. From where? Um, so Chipotle is my favorite. Yes! We, have a, we have a Moe's right beside our house too. So we go to Moe's a, a little bit more. Um, we clearly do need to be friends if you like Chipotle <laughs> and the Browns. Um, okay. Iced or hot coffee? Hot. Netflix or Hulu? Ooh, Amazon Prime. Amazon Prime. Okay. <laughs> I like it. Um, watch live or recorded so you don't have to watch commercials. Always recorded. Always recorded. Uh, sugar or chocolate chip cookies? sugar cookies my mom's oh nice i like that see that adds a little personal touch there (laughs) um and crushed ice or cubed ice always crushed always crushed always crushed clearly we do need to be friends uh travis this has been so much fun thank you so much for coming on the show um i loved getting to know you and thank you again so much for what you and your wife jenna are doing to um, help end preventable blindness and just the impact that you guys are having on your own community and um i think we mentioned this before the show you guys are um heading off to austin soon yeah we're actually moving to austin probably within the next six months our house will probably sell within the next couple weeks Once it sells, we're going to hit the road. We're going to tour the United States first, and then we're thinking about going to maybe Thailand or Costa Rica for a month or two as well. Wow, that is incredible. Well, I cannot wait um, to to see your journey and, and see what you guys are doing. Um, and for everybody listening, I will have all of the information for how you can um, check out I Love and get in contact or find out more about what um, Dr. Dr. Travis Ziegler and his wife, Jenna, <laughs> are doing. Um, I will have all that information in the show notes. So thank you so much, Travis. All right. Thanks, Molly. I learned so much in my conversation with Travis. He's so smart, so driven, and I love the mission he and his wife have to do more with their God-given talents and help more people around the world to see. Be sure to give Travis and I love some love on social media this week. I will have all of their links and information in the show notes as usual. Another huge thank you to this week's podcast sponsor, Causebox. Don't forget to visit stillbeingmolly.com slash Causebox and use that coupon code Molly for $15 off. Also, I have something really exciting for my Los Angeles area friends or really anyone who loves the West Coast or wants to take a trip there this May. Remember my friend Blythe Hill, the CEO and founder of Dress Ember? I had her back on the show in December and we briefly talked about the You Can Do Anything in a Dress 5K. Well, it's happening! For the past five years, the Dress Ember campaign and thousands of advocates have shown the world you can do anything in a dress. Now, in their first ever spring event, they are putting their money where their mouth is and running a 5K in dresses, and the guys are running inventories. In five years, Dress Ember has raised over $5 million towards the fight to end modern-day slavery by wearing dresses and ties. The 5K will be held Sunday, May 20th, 2018 at Griffith Park in Los Angeles. If you are interested in running in a dress or a tie, gentlemen, you can register at dressember5k.com. 
funraise.org. That's F-U-N-R-A-I-S-E.org. That's Dressember, the number 5K, dot fundraise, F-U-N-R-A-I-S-E dot org. And you can use the exclusive code we love business with purpose to get 10% off your registration fee. That's we love business with purpose, all one word code to get 10% off your registration fee. As always, thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. If you're a first time listener of the show, welcome. Be sure to visit the archives for past shows featuring amazing entrepreneurs and business owners who are literally changing the world with their businesses. And if you're a regular listener of the show, thank you for tuning in week in and week out. And thank you for your support. Be sure to head on over to iTunes, Google Play, Radio Public, or your favorite podcasting app and make sure you're subscribed to the show. And if you have an extra moment, would you mind leaving a review of the show? Leaving a review really helps to let me know what you're liking and how the show is personally impacting you. And I love that so many of you are sharing the show on social media and tagging me in your Instagram stories. It honestly makes my day. So be sure to use that hashtag business with purpose podcast or tag me at still being Molly on any social network. The show is edited by my amazing husband and executive producer, John Stillman, and the music is by Mark Killian of Third Wheel Media. Thank you so much for listening. And now go do something good with purpose on purpose.